Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast Isolation Special. I think this is number five or six but who knows weeks and days are dragging into one another I don't really know where we are anymore but I know I'm joined on the line by Alan and Matt Alan how are you big man yeah good good just I don't know not really leaving my house very much watching a lot of Adam Sandler films it's not too bad to be honest yeah so so you took in big daddy last night probably top top drawer Big Daddy, like that's like top tier Sandler. Going to dip into like the more sort of like mid tier, um, maybe like Mr. Deeds or might even go like real dark and go like grown ups. I'm not sure. Pixels, maybe. Absolutely no, no, terrible. No. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, good. I haven't quite got round to enough Adam Sandler, or as much as I would have liked to, but that's on the cards for sure. Did you guys watch the return of rugby, even though it's, you know, 10,000 miles away in New Zealand? Did you guys check that out? Oh, yeah. yeah. Go up for the Highlanders um, Chiefs game. And then um, I considered for about 20 seconds getting up to watch the Blues-Hurricanes game at 4.30 this morning. And then was like, that is the stupidest thing in the world. So watched it on YouTube this morning. And it was very nice. I'm glad I didn't get up. And the interesting thing was, Aaron, you sent through on WhatsApp from, was it 2013 that match that you sent through? Yeah. But, uh, yes. Highlanders Chiefs, um, sort of a three-minute clip of this mad passage of play in an old Super Rugby game. I think you counted four home nations players, including two Scotland caps. So maybe the Super Rugby this week weekend is sort of a hint of what's to come for, for Scotland. I know. I reckon you did, Matt, but Dave, did you get the four home nations players that were playing in that game? I, I actually must have missed that WhatsApp. <laughs> Sorry. I think I'd been out I was out this morning and I came back to like sort of fifty WhatsApps, so I was just like, just use that button that takes you right down to the bottom. Mark is red. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, Hardy and Phil Burley. Hardy and Phil Burley for the Highlanders, and then you had Anscom at fullback for the Chiefs and Bundyaki at twelve for the Chiefs. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah, yeah. So no, I mean, hopefully the uh, win mind. Obviously, Sean Stevenson is like the one. He's kind of the one Kiwi player that a few. There's be there's always been like rumours of Scottish heritage. Yeah. yeah. 
But I remember, remember, there's that guy who plays the Wasps um, called Josh Bassett, the winger. You know yeah. what I mean? And I remember for a while that there was a, a, a news report saying that he had Scottish heritage and then he got interviewed and he was like, I have no idea where that came from. There is nothing in my background that is even remotely Scottish. <laughs> and he was like, I wish I did. Um, and the, the other interesting one is uh, Finley Christie, who was on the bench for the Hurricanes. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Blues. Yeah. Blues. Um, and I didn't realize there was an, in- an interview with his brother, who I didn't realize has been playing for the uh, for Curry in the Premiership. Interesting. Yeah. He did Finley. Finley. Um, during lockdown, he's been like working on their grandfather's farm in the borders. So th- there clearly is like a proper Scottish connection. I think I think Finlay Christie's mum is, I mean, mum and dad are Scottish because he was born in Scotland. Yeah, he was born in Peebles. It says on Wikipedia, not saying that's a hundred percent correct. Um, but obviously, must have they were. Um, Finlay Christie did an interview with um, Scrum Magazine um, last week. And he seems he is he seems pretty sweet on Scotland. Obviously, he is he is he's got heritage here, genuine heritage. Um, I mean, it was it, felt, it read to me like a little bit of a come and get me. I don't understand why he wouldn't be, considering you know there's there's a long line of. I mean, he can't even start at the Blues, right? There's a long line of people ahead of him to get an All Blacks cap. So I, I'm surprised. I'm actually surprised he stayed in New Zealand for so long. I know. The one thing, I guess, the I reckon out of all the positions, the, the one that's most stacked for New Zealand is scrum half. So you get someone like Brad Weber, he would genuinely, like, have maybe 50 caps for Scotland. And yeah. he's, like, third or fourth choice for, for New Zealand at the moment. Like, Finlay Christie must be, like, 10th choice. Um, <laughs> but I guess he's, like, 24. Maybe he was, like, oh, I'll give... He was at the Hurricanes last year. And maybe he's just kind of been given a contract with the Blues and he's like, I'll give it like another year or two. And if not, he can always like shift across at 26. And it's quite uh, like, like, really tells you where Scottish rugby is, where like 10th choice scrum half would be like absolutely parachuted in. We're like, get this guy a pro deal. <laughs> Why not? Obviously, like, if it, he feels like he would slot in quite well at Edinburgh. Um, yeah, and so maybe it's you know once Pergos must only have like what another year, maybe two mm. in his locker. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to probably... see what they do both with people yeah. like him. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's going to be a little bit of a rambling episode today. Uh, it's been a wee while since we've all been together as a three. We've been dropping in. Those interviews, if you haven't checked them out, we've spoken to Duncan Weir, Tom Brown, Gordy Reid, Hugo Southwell, all absolutely class, um, really good lads with great insight. So get back into your feed and listen to those if you haven't yet. We've got a couple that are just sitting there in negotiations, a couple of whales. It takes a little bit of time to, to bring these whales to land, but we're hoping to bring a couple more of those isolation interviews to you shortly as well. But we're just going to sort of have a bit of a canter through the news that has been going on um, for, I guess, the last six or seven weeks. And let's start with probably the freshest bit of news going around. John Lance, who was due to be joining Edinburgh, has not been able to get a visa. So he's no longer joining Edinburgh and he's joining the Western Force. He's actually put out a couple of tweets saying that he's very disappointed about it and explaining a little bit around the visa situation. But um, Alan, what do you think? Quite Is that quite a big disappointment for Edinburgh? They're not able to get that experience in the door? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with, obviously, Simon Hickey leaving and Jacko van der Vol clearly going to be, obviously, the, the, stand, the, the starting 10. It was, you know, it feels like we need a, at least some sort of experience backup. I know Nathan Chamberlain signed and signed and looks like a good prospect, but it would have been good to have some cover at ten, and then also what John Lance could have provided was that additional cover at fifteen when inevitably Blair Kinghorn is going to be off with the Scotland squad. So I think it's a bit disappointing because you know from what you know 
limited knowledge I have or the limited viewing I have of them, it felt like quite an exciting signing. I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I think that he would have he would have been particularly important for that utility value and the fact that he isn't obviously going to play internationals. Um, I think there were a few sort of like conspiracy theories that so the Western Force, I think, were the plan is for them to play in this kind of like rapid rugby tournament that's backed by this Andrew Forrest guy who I think has made his money in, in mining and made a lot of money. Um, and that this was a convenient way for John O'Lance to to get out of an Edinburgh contract and go and earn a decent package in, in Perth. But he did his tweets sort of outlining the reasons. Um, it was pretty clear to me why he didn't get the visa, the fact that he just hadn't played enough games at the Warriors because of sort of regulations around how many English qualified players you have to have in your match day squad. And that he genuinely seemed really excited about joining Edinburgh. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame. I mean, I, I don't know the market at all at the moment, but I, I, w- I would like to think that with the amount of uncertainty that's out there at the moment, Edinburgh could still potentially pick up a decent standoff option on, on, a, on a good price as well. Because yeah. I do think they need someone else alongside uh, Chamberlain and Van der Vault because it doesn't really seem like there's, there's anyone else there at the moment. I think in the Tooney has said as well in a couple of interviews that you know Van der Vaart's now I think Scott's qualified as well and I think he's certainly not ruled out you know him being in and around Scotland squads in the in the future now he's probably not going to be knocking at Finn or Adam's door but in terms of squad and training and things like that there's a chance he might miss chunks of the season as well if he starts getting called in as the third 10 option so they do look very very threadbare um, could it be a net positive though for there's an awful lot of um, excitement around Nathan Chamberlain could it you know see him just playing more rugby and maybe advancing his development yeah I get, you know absolutely I imagine if you specifically look at Nathan Chamberlain I imagine for him it's a great opportunity I think the fear is is that obviously Edinburgh as a team are wanting to challenge for the Pro 14 and in the Champions Cup whatever sort of form it takes next year and if Jacko goes down <laughs> in week one then yeah. you're sort of left with a season with your starting 10 being a player who's never actually played a game of pro rugby hmm. um, which I think is is a pretty kind of scary scenario to sort of, sort of be in I am I'm probably someone who's a little bit more inclined to believing conspiracy theories than Matt I just think the timing is sort of like visa issues and then next day it's like signing with I think that um, Andrew Forrest guy is like the richest guy in Australia and he's just like yeah, yeah. had some severe visa issues he actually just went on like the HM kind of like customs website and just like declined his visa personally on (laughs) just sent an email to Cockers being like sorry mate sorry mate He's made an anonymous. Oh, oh, oh. He's made an anonymous donation to the Conservative Party. They're just like, look, yeah, <laughs> get rid of John O'Lance's visa, and this money's all yours. Get <laughs> hey, off the immigration officers himself. Yeah, it, I mean, I thought his his message was very. It felt very sincere, but I guess, yeah, I, I, I guess all you can do is take it at, at face value. But he's certainly not going to be joining. And it will be interesting to see, because Cockers has always been quite, certainly for the last few months, has been very confident that Edinburgh's business was essentially done, you know, um, and he seemed quite happy to have that settled squad. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Um, And I suppose speaking of Edinburgh, no, go ahead. No, I guess, and I guess, you know, it sounds like Simon Hickey's gone. So... You know, even if we do get the return of the Pro 14, at the moment, I think my, my understanding is that Jacko is going to be the only 10. So, um, and I think, cause I know Simon Hickey has gone back. He did go back to New Zealand. Um, so it'd be interesting to see whether even for, if we do get the Pro 14 back in any sort of form, whether they do try and, I don't know, make some sort of emergency signing. I don't know what they what it would look like. 
Yeah, Hick- Hickey's confirmed leaving. It's a big a big boon for the um, King Horn at ten campaign. That's true. I wouldn't mind seeing him have a wee shot there. Did he? Because did he play under twenties at ten? I think he actually played most of his under twenties at fullback, but I think he played under eighteens at ten. Because um, I guess the only other player that potentially, potentially could have come up in 10 if we go and stop the playoffs is, is Matt Scott, who, you know, when he was starting his career, was kind of seen more as a 10 slash 12 rather than kind of the 12 13 that, that he is now. But I imagine he's already now within sort of like the Tigers' program. Hmm. You certainly would have thought so. So it'll be very interesting to see. How um, Edinburgh, how and if Edinburgh address their problems at number 10. They have brought in one more man since we were last with you. Um, Second row and uh, Scotland age group cap Andrew Davidson is switching from Glasgow uh, to Edinburgh, having made no real impact. I think he only got a couple of starts at Scotland for Glasgow, but um, Cockers has brought him in to sort of shore up the second row, knowing that. they get pretty badly affected by Scotland. What did you make of that move, Matt? Um, I mean, yeah, he, he's always been a player of quite a lot of promise. Um, I mean, I think it's 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 slightly odd because my sense has been that, you know, second row is an area that um, Edinburgh have got quite a lot of strength in just because you've got Fraser McKenzie, Grant Gilchrist, Toulis, um, Lewis Carmichael, um, I'm trying to think if there's any, anyone else it seems as if Hunter Hill might be leaving to be fair um, but yeah the, the thing is just because Glasgow haven't really announced anyone else that they're signing it, it just does it, it does seem that Glasgow that's an area that Glasgow needed to slightly strengthen or at least maintain what they had so it makes you think that Glasgow must have someone else coming in because I, I don't see why they would have let him go um, it'd be interesting to see what he's like at Edinburgh, whether he gets shots, because he's always been talked of as like a promising young player. And I, I remember watching him in under twenties, and he was like, you know, it's not very often that you see someone at that age for Scotland, sort of bigger than other players, bigger than the opposition, and being able very to massively like, dominate against other, particularly sort of home nations um, squads. So, yeah, he, he's got a lot of promise. So hopefully, he can start to sort of fulfil that, and you know get a bit of game time at, at Edinburgh. Alan, what did you make it just, of it all? It feels, yeah, I guess it just feels surprising. I think if Glasgow had announced the re-signing of Nakawara, or I don't think they've even announced Kieran McDonald past. No, they haven't. So I think going into sort of next year, you've got, what, Cummings, Richie Gray, and... Rob Harley essentially is that kind of like second row slash flanker. But I don't think, I think that's actually in terms of people contracted out past 2020, that I think that's actually, that's actually it. Obviously there's a few people kind of bobbling around the academy. Um, so it just feels su- surprising that they wouldn't have, um, they wouldn't have announced anything else whilst the, um, when that announcement of um, Davidson kind of, kind of happened. Um, it also just feels like a bit strange that he's had kind of the year, with Glasgow and is now kind of shifted back across to Edinburgh, especially when, as you said, it doesn't feel like there's clearly more opportunities to be had at, um, at Edinburgh than there is at Glasgow in terms of like the amount of players that are available. It's also a bit strange that, I mean, maybe this is the rumour sort of quash now, but there was quite a lot of chat that Marshall Sykes, who's an academy guy, was going to go to Edinburgh. Um yeah. And then you've also got the fact that Cameron Henderson, another on the 20s kind of academy player, has signed with Leicester. And you just kind of think that is clearly an area that Glasgow need to strengthen. So so why have they allowed an academy guy to to leave the Scottish system, which makes me think they, they must have, you know, someone signed up. Because as you say, it's, it's looking like no other squad I can think of would allow themselves to have effectively like three second rows. Yeah. 
And it is a, it's a big talking point right now. Um, obviously, the state of Glasgow. Do you want to talk about that now, or should we come back to it? I think yeah. we can talk about it now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, should I just sort of go through the players we know are leaving? Because I've got, I've got the list yeah. up at the moment. Yeah, go ahead through that. So, obviously, you've got Johnny Gray going to Exeter. Uh, Matt Smith leaving, unconfirmed where. Nick Frisby, the Nuke, uh, DTH, Rory Hughes, uh, Rui Jackson retiring, Calm Gibbons leaving, and, and Tim Swinson also retiring. Um, and there's probably others there that I haven't actually got. But yeah, that combined with the lack of real signings. So I think they've signed a couple of props maybe. Um, a guy, Enrique Pioretto, some Pioretto, guy yeah. from, from Exeter, and obviously uh, Richie Gray. But I think that's it. Yeah, I think that is it. Um, apart from that, it's it's looking, particularly in the pack, and maybe in the back three, a bit threadbare. Yeah, do you want to do you want to start with the back three? Yeah, so at the moment, um, you've got Nico, Carl Stein, Tommy Seymour, Tagive, Lee Jones, uh, Robin Ern. Dushk. That's it. What's your starting I, back three of that? And I guess it feels like... Well, I guess it feels like the wings are kind of relatively well covered, and I, I get the impression that Carl Stein... Is, is kind of now making that transition to winger and will be seen as a winger within that squad. So I think, you know, when everyone's fighting fit, him and Seymour are still a pretty potent set of wingers. Um, and I think you can have Nico and Lee Jones, etc., kind of coming back, who do kind of, you know, you probably don't want as your starting wingers, but do give you like enough depth probably to cover, especially yeah. like the Pro 14 games. I think... In terms of fullback, it just feels like that's just such a huge gap. And I guess it probably feels an even bigger gap just because of, you know, ultimately we've had the best fullback in the world, you know, for the last um, the last six, seven years. So maybe that gap just feels kind of so much more drastic. Um, I think Glenn Bryce has probably done enough to be seen as like a good backup fly half. But fullback. I'm just not sorry, fullback. But he just doesn't feel like he he has the sort of quality to be that kind of you know start starting fullback in you know the Champions Cup game against Saracens, for example. Yeah, I, I mean at, at the moment the only player who's confirmed to I think has like ever played fullback is Tommy Seymour, uh, and and that just seems like yeah because Glenn Bryce hasn't extended yet, has he? Yeah, sorry, exactly. So Glenn Bryce is unconfirmed. At the moment, his contract status, I think he, it is meant to expire at the end of this season. Uh, and nothing else else has been announced. So, you know, unless they're re-signing him. I, I, the thing is, though, I would be disappointed if all they were doing was re-signing him. Because, as you say, you know, he's a good good backup player. But, you know, maybe not much more than that. You know, a decent squad player. And even Seymour at fullback, like, you're, you're sort of... Um, you know, like you have to adjust. You're trying to sort of fit a kind of a square peg in a round hole slightly with with Seymour. I think he does a good enough job at fullback, but he's better used on the wing. I think. So, I I, I'd be, you know, I think a lot of Warriors fans will be looking for some announcements in that in that area for sure. It is interesting that it's got to such a state that Mark Dodson of all people is in the press this morning. Sunday, um, saying that there is Glasgow announcements coming up. So I think there's obviously been a recognition within the SRU that they're very that there is this little bit of concern, um, and there has always been chat that there's stuff coming. But other than that, back three, and obviously we've talked about the second row. What other areas of concern would you have, Matt, looking at that Glasgow squad? Um. I think I think the back row needs strengthening as well. Um, you know the players who are confirmed staying. It's 
you know, Ryan Wilson, Tom, Tom Gordon, Matt Ferguson, Harley, Fazaro, Ash, um, Jale, Vakaloma, who I don't think actually played at all last season because he was, he was injured. Um, and then Bruce Flockhart seems to kind of be floating at the moment. Um, and you know, there's, there's all like within that, that there's enough to, I think like compete very well within the pro 14. Um, you know, guys like I think Ferguson's becoming like an increasingly important part of it. Wilson's experience. Har- Harley always does a job. Uh, Gordon's exciting. And I-, I think I get the sense that Glasgow do expect a lot out of this Jale guy. Um, and that, you know, he he's almost considered a new signing just because he's been injured. But but beyond that, I just think you need a bit more quality to be able to compete in Europe, as Alan mentioned. Um, and just a bit more depth as well, because, you know, that's seven players for a full season of trying to compete on, you know, domestic and, and European fronts. That's just not enough, particularly if you are like, you know, having to ask Rob Harley to do a shift in the row. So, yeah, I think that's another area where they need to strengthen for sure. Yeah, I'd have a bit of concern around over-reliance on Adam Ash as well. We didn't see very much of him last year. He seemed to be struggling with injuries, didn't really manage to get any form, spent an awful lot of time in the in the Super 6. And he's always been one of those players that's maybe not quite reached potential. Um, mm. So there is a few question marks in that group, um, for sure. And I think I find it very interesting that once Callum Gibbons announced that he was leaving the the press, and they seem to obviously be directed this way, that Tom Gordon was obviously inheriting that seven shirt as as his. And I mean, he's he is an exciting talent, but again, he, he is still pretty green at that professional level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I think if we even look back 12 months ago, you know, if we're honest, like none of us really would have picked out Tom Gordon as being even close to the starting Glasgow team. I, you know, I know he's sort of come, sort of had some good premiership results and he's kind of come on the scene and obviously played really, really well. Um, but he, you know, that you got him and Fazaro, which just feels so so lightweight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I guess, what would our starting back three be in the for the, for the scrum sort of next year? Do you think it'd be Ryan Wilson six, Matt Ferguson eight, Tom Gordon seven? Yeah, at, at the moment, yeah, I, I I think maybe this Jale guy might push Wilson. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to say. We've not seen anything of him. Yeah, exactly. So I'm maybe putting a bit too faith, too much faith in him. But there's not much else really to to look to. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. But as I, I say, I guess, I guess we go on. I guess the one thing we're going to say, obviously, when Edinburgh. Clear sort of two years ago that Edinburgh needed a, needed a new scrum half or at least a scrum half with the kind of experience to kind of lead that pack and kind of um, take that team forward. And obviously, you look to Glasgow and they had Price and they had Perlos and they had George Horn coming through with Nico as well, maybe not Nico at the time. And it was clear that the balance between the two teams was off. And you know, Perlos needed more game time. He went to Edinburgh. He was perfect for Edinburgh. And you know, it's, it's all worked out really well and Glasgow haven't suffered. And I think, you know, ultimately, if you look at the options for Edinburgh and the options for Glasgow at back row, there's, just, there's such a big divide and difference in terms of quality and depth. And I think, you know, you look at that Edinburgh back row with essentially what could be the starting Scotland back row with Watson, Ritchie and Bradbury, and then also Mata and... Then you've got someone like Luke Crosby, who you know, sh- ultimately I think feels should be the sort of player who sh- should be in a position in his career now where he's wanting to essentially nail down a starting spot week in, week out for a pro club. So it feels like if you were being kind of completely objective and you were look- thinking about kind of the benefit of the SRU rather than the benefit of the individual clubs, someone like Luke Crosby would shift across to Glasgow because I think not only would it be good for him personally just because you'd think he'd have more game time but also in terms of that 
abrasive, carrying six, he could yeah. probably fit quite nicely into that squad. Nick's decision to, to get rid of Matt Smith in particular seemed quite bizarre because, um, you know, he's a young guy who seems to have always played pretty well when he got shot. He didn't play that much last year. Um, and presumably doesn't cost very much either compared to, you know, like a new signing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that to me just seems a bit of an odd one. Agreed. And it's, uh, so it'd be interesting, you know, we've we sort of said that Danny Wilson, maybe, has, maybe anonymous isn't the right word, but definitely hasn't been out in public kind of talking about any plans for the team and kind of what he's, what the future is for either certain players or kind of what he sees for kind of the future of the team. I don't know whether just even having him out in the press to kind of give a bit of more kind of clarity behind what his kind of long-term ambition is would just sort of help with kind of, especially some of the kind of like the fan feedback, which is, you know, what the hell is going on? I mean, I hope this isn't the case, but... That, that kind of... Well... Sorry, Matt, you go on. So I'm going to... Dave, on you go. I was just going to say, I hope it's not the case that um, I think you're right, Alan. He's not been out and about. And I suppose there's two sides of that coin. If you were going to put Danny Wilson up, he's going to get questioned about these signings. So he's got options to say, yes, we've got some coming. Or, you know, you'd ideally hope he could announce some quite in quite short order. I just wonder, you know, like this... Um, maybe they were caught a little bit on the hop and they were hoping to close lots of business, you know, from onwards from sort of March or mid Feb March. And then COVID has actually hit them. It's completely changed the market. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe some of the options that they were hoping to announce have dried up or things like that. And I, I absolutely desperately hope it's not the case that Glasgow have been left really, um, really struggling um, this late into the season with this much uncertainty going on. I, but I do find it strange that so much of the press is focused on Rennie leaving rather than the, uh, Danny Wilson coming in, which is obviously quite a big play for Scottish rugby because the SRU have clearly brought him into the Scotland setup with a long-term view that he was going to go to Glasgow. certainly felt that way because he didn't last long at Scotland. They must have known that there was a chance Rennie was leaving. Um, so yeah, it's, um, yeah, I find it a little bit strange that we haven't seen any of him. Yeah, no, completely agree. The, um, the one piece that we didn't quite mention when we're discussing the fullback option is obviously Ollie Smith is, it was tearing it up for kind of Scotland under twenties and was, has, has played pretty well at that kind of super six and club level. And it does feel like he is going to, try and take up that position at fullback at Glasgow over the long term. But I guess, you know, the thing again as well is, you know, he's still so young um, and, you know, potentially in a perfect world, you kind of want him as the backup and playing those. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today games during the international breaks to kind of get get his eye into that kind of speed of play that there is that there just is in terms of the difference between Pro 14 and Super 6 yeah absolutely I mean we're being quite negative about Glasgow sorry Matt I was just going to say we've been we're being quite negative about Glasgow but 
front five wise, if they can get this on the park regularly, Ollie Kebble, Fraser Brown, Xander Ferguson, Richie Gray, Scott Cummings, that is a, a, a pretty serious front five, definitely at Pro 14 level and starting to, it certainly in Europe, that can handle itself at European level, particularly the way that Scott Cummings has come on. So that that is definitely a, a, a positive for them looking into the into the new season or the end of this season, wherever we are. Yeah, the I mean the the front row in particular that that's the area with the most depth um, because behind those three that you mentioned you've got Sayuli, uh, you've got Grant Stewart as well, um, you've got Dolokoto who looked pretty good last year when he had a chance, um, and then you've got some like you know younger exciting guys like Darcy Ray who we feel like maybe hasn't like, you know might kick on, and you've got Thornton and Nickel who you saw had a few appearances last year and seem to do quite well so that that seems an area that they don't have to maybe worry about too much nothing from george turner though is it he's not been no news of him re-signing which uh yeah. you know i guess I, even for players you know i wonder whether you know he's kind of what 20 26 27 now he's probably like do i want to stay and be second choice now that Fraser Brown's re-signed or do I want to be kind of going to like a premiership club, for example? Um, and I wonder if even for someone like him, he's been out in the market, potentially had a few offers and then obviously COVID's hit and he just sort of left in like a really terrible situation where, <laughs> you know, and obviously Rory Hughes, you know, talked about this as well, where it's just the market's so dry at the moment and people don't want to commit any money. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think in terms of one to five and nine to thirteen, I think Glasgow, you know, pretty happy. It's um, yeah. it's just on the kind of two, two back threes where, and I think again, it's probably just in comparison to maybe what it's been like back in back in the sort of last kind of three or four years. It just feels sort of comparisonly weak. Um, I do think if you if you had Leone sign. It would just make the whole mood change. Like, if Leone signed a two year deal, everyone's like, fucking yes, Glasgow are going to like win the Pro 14. <laughs> He's just <laughs> such a big player. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, we'll watch with keen interest. Hopefully, we will see something like that coming out of uh, Scotland in the next couple of weeks, or at least, you know, signs of life. A sign of something would be nice. Um, I guess we're going to be quite, actually quite Glasgow heavy in today's episode. We, I touched on it there about Dave Rennie's obviously left early, taking up his job at Rugby Australia, which is a whole different kettle of fish um, for him. But lots of talk in the recent weeks about Rennie's legacy, and it's not something we've really spoken about before. I mean, Matt, I'll come to you first. I mean, Dave Rennie, was he a success at Glasgow? I, I think overall, I think the fact that, you know, he, he admittedly inherited a, a good squad um, and one that was, you know, had evolved to a point where it was, you know, constantly competing um, at the top end of the Pro 14 table and, and doing well in Europe. Um, and I think he, he did a pretty good job of carrying that on. Um, I, I feel like he was always slightly hamstrung by the fact that, you know, people like Finn and Hogg were sort of coming to the natural end of their time at Glasgow. And ultimately the club didn't have the budget to, to put new offers on the table. Um, I think that the, the style of rugby he played was, was in keeping with what the fans wanted and sort of like the Glasgow ethos that had been developed under Townsend. Um, but then again, you know, he didn't, he didn't win anything. And considering he was brought in as like, one of the most successful uh, coaches in the Southern Hemisphere in recent years, you know, that that's probably always going to be a bit of a, um, an albatross around his neck, but I, I still think overall he was a success. I think he was pretty good at giving young players a shot as well. Um, bringing through Scott's qualified guys. So I think on those fronts, I think Glasgow fans probably pretty happy with, with his time there. Alan? 
Yeah, no, I sort of broadly agree. I mean, I think if you actually look at him and Cockrell side by side, you know, Rennie's had a semi-final and a final and has got them to the Champions Cup quarter-finals and then was essentially, what, one game away this year, just like one crap game against La Rochelle sort of ruined it. Um, whereas versus, and I think broadly the consensus is is a bit indifferent to to Rennie. Whereas I think if you look at sort of Cockrell and you know obviously he's he had kind of quarterfinals and then didn't make playoffs and has had sort of one Champions Cup. I get that this year is sort of a lot better, but you know Cockrell's broadly got massive plaudits. Um, and I think actually when you sort of compare the two and probably compare the players that Cockrell's in terms of new players, Cockrell's been able to bring in versus Rennie. I think it's probably a little bit un, unfair, and I, I know some of that's just you know got to do with the of how good Edinburgh were before Cockers and the sort of the style of play they they had pre Cockers as well. But I think actually, when we sort of look back on it, that I think Rennie's been pretty pretty successful coach, and I think you're right in terms of the young players that he's turned from average to good club players into like fully fledged internationals be that sort of Cummings, Xander Ferguson Matt Ferguson in the pack and then you know, George Horn and Hastings especially at sort of 9 and 10 I think people kind of remember that you know Hastings was kind of like middling about the Bath squad and when he came to Glasgow he was like I think it was no one was really sure whether he was going to be able to make that kind of step up for kind of high quality club rugby and then international rugby and I think you know, one of the things Rennie seems to have done is really help Hastings kind of make that transition What do you reckon Dave? Yeah I, I think Alan what you were saying there about the, the I think people are minded to compare and contrast Edinburgh and Glasgow because we've only got those two teams and Edinburgh and Glasgow have been on quite different trajectories for a long time now um, so I think it is easier to see Cockers' time as more positive as Rennie's but I think this conversation would be entirely different had they won that narrowly lost Pro 14 final against Leinster last year I mean the, it is good that they got there and I think they played some great rugby um, I think they showed it last weekend the semi-final against Ulster last year where they absolutely blew them out of the water um, and that was class I, I do think that if you look at players that have come through under his watch to international honours and are probably going to be cornerstones for Scotland in the years to come, Hastings, George Horn will keep keep going, Matt Fagerson, etc. And the continued sort of growth of players like Sam Johnson into internationals, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you can say it's, it's amazing, but I, I can't help but feel a little bit disappointed that when you go and get one of the world's most revered coaches who is used to delivering success, like genuinely delivering silverware that he's leaving without any. I do think there is a little, you can't help but feel a little bit disappointed that he didn't manage to, for whatever reason, take Glasgow to that absolute next level. And like obviously quarterfinals of Champions Cup is great for Scottish teams because it's not happened for so long. But, you know, when you get a guy of that calibre, it's hard not to think that's what it's going to happen. So on the flip side, when it doesn't, it's a little bit disappointing. But um, regard, irregardless of all of that, it's a, it means that Danny Wilson has got a hell of a job to follow up from that. Um, and I think managing the expectations of the Warriors fans is going to be a hugely difficult job for Danny Wilson and the SRU to do um, in the coming months. I think their expectations will completely change. I think that people are pretty disappointed that, you know, Danny Wilson could be great, but the fact that you don't have like a decorated storied coach replacing someone of the caliber of David Rennie and the fact that, you know, in recent years they have lost uh, Russell, Hogg, Gray, seems as if Xander Fagerson might be being tapped up recently as well as the kind of the latest to, to leave. Um, and, and combined with the, the seeming or so far lack of signings, I, I think that the expectations have fallen slightly. Yeah, I agree. 
I don't think there's many Glasgow fans going into next season with the same level of expectations as they even had at the start of this season. I think it definitely feels like, um, you know, even us of getting to the playoffs will be seen as like a relatively sort of successful year. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing, right? You know, kind of gives them a bit of time to kind of make that transition away from, you know, ultimately sort of Johnny Grace, Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell have been such kind of pillars of that Glasgow team. And it's kind of, it's always going to be hard kind of transitioning away from that. Um, but no, it'd be, I, I'm glad. I think Dave Rennie's been good and sad to see him go. Always comes up. I think he always comes across like a really, really good guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and is always, um, and actually, you know, I, I know, interestingly, again, I think Cockrell's is always sort of heralded for, you know, his, his straight talking and, you know, directness and all this sort of stuff. And I actually think Rennie is also pretty straight talking and direct. I just think his tone isn't. So <laughs> doesn't really sort of come across as, as much like that. And I think the one thing Rennie does come across is, is very sort of thoughtful, both about kind of style of play, but also kind of developing the players, um, which I always thought was quite, it was always quite interesting. You know, I know when he came on our podcast, he gave literally nothing. But um, I know from like other interviews, especially sort of with in-house media at the SOU, I've always found like him to sort of just come across like a very interesting kind of guy. Yeah. I think it was it's between him and Stafford McDowell for the two driest interviews we've ever done on the pod. <laughs> the straightest of straight bats from both of them. I'm not sure Cockers knew who we were. I think he was a bit confused. He at least engaged with us. I sort of looked back on that and um, I think we asked him, somebody on Twitter asked, um, should I put money on Edinburgh to win the Pro 14? And we asked Cockers and he was like, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is a good answer. We're such dicks. That's fine. That was at the beginning of season two. That was, you know, 2017, 16, 18. Who knows? Well, it's been interesting, um, kind of, all the all the rumours of Cockers going to Gloucester, which now do seem to have kind of dissipated. Yeah. It, I mean, it does feel that every time a premiership side loses a director of rugby from now on, Richard Cockerell is going to be pretty much top of everyone's list, or at least that list of the rumour mill because of the, you know, his, he's won premierships with Leicester. He's doing a great job with Edinburgh. Um, you know, it'd be hard for owners to not, you know, at least chuck him a text, say, see if he's happy. Mm. But Gloucester seems like a bit of a, it doesn't seem to be a particularly happy place at the moment. So you hope that the, um, that's, Like, would he want to go? I mean, you know, he's a pretty good deal um, at Edinburgh, and it seems like I, I don't know. It just seems like he slightly like has the ear of the SRU in terms of signings and and financing, um, because he does seem to kind of get his own way when it comes to to signings. I don't. I wouldn't say it's too far fetched to suggest that. Richard Cockerell's probably, you know, the anointed, the planned anointed successor for Gregor Townsend, as and when he steps down as Scotland Code. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. if you were thinking if you were thinking ahead, you've got to have a you've got to have a contingency plan for that sort of thing. You would think if Gregor Townsend goes under a bus tomorrow, who's the best place to take on that Scotland squad? Yeah, I think yeah, I think oh. you're you're definitely right. It's um, it's probably going to be Cockers as sort of the next because there isn't really that kind of clear kind of number two behind Tuni. I would say who could sort of step up. No, I mean unless Jim Mallander wants to come from director of rugby back down into the coaching setup, he's the only person I suppose with the pedigree. 
that's within the SRU setup yeah. at the moment. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're we're this is what lockdown is doing to us. We're getting very much into the sort of long grass theoreticals of Scottish rugby. Speaking of which, Alan, how's your um your Magna Carta on the Scottish um third pro team going? Yeah, it's all right. It's um, I'm 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 sort of four fifths of the way through, um, although very much sort of I think more sort of a bit like. I was going to compare myself to George R. R. Martin um, in terms of <laughs> I felt <laughs> in terms of length. I think it sort of um, it definitely needs a bit of an edit, and I was sort of reviewing it some of it earlier today, and felt like a lot of it just wasn't particularly interesting. But you know, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's a mark out there for an in depth piece on Scottish third pro teams. So try and yeah. try and kind of it's it's. Uh, I mean, I started. I, I I started doing it like a few weeks ago and thought it would be it would take like a couple of days, and I've got like a newfound respect for people that have to like write for a living. It's really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked it on the WhatsApp group. Where I just sort of checked in on it, and it was just a sort of photo of the Scottish borders with a cross right in the middle of all the big towns, being like, "This is the peak venue." For um, a uh, for a new stadium, it's the sort of build it and they will come scenario. It's like literally yeah. Melrose, Gala, Selkirk, Jedburgh, Hoyk make like a perfect circle. Just like put like a mini nether, like I don't know, mini Murray Fields in the middle somewhere. Just pay pay some farmer. It's like big sheep farm will just build a stadium in the middle. <laughs> literally well, anyway, equidistant are... between all major towns. Yeah, we are we are hoping to publish um, Alan's thoughts for discussion. Well, they're all of our thoughts. We've been sort of chipping away at it for the last few weeks, but mostly, Alan, um, on that perennial Scottish rugby question of the third pro team. So keep an eye on our um, our social channels uh, for that. Um, it's a uh, it's it's like a rabbit hole. Once you start thinking, where's the best place for one, or should we do it, or why do we need it, it is uh, it goes on and on and on. Uh, but hope you hopefully we'll get something out for you guys in the coming weeks. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. So I'm looking back at my sheet of what we were going to talk about. We've talked a little bit about the return of the Pro 14, although I don't think the Pro 14 are particularly on the record of what they want to do, other than in an ideal world we'll be returning for playoffs. The playoffs round at some time in sort of August September and then they're potentially eyeing up I guess to get players back in the game and up to fitness and what have you and to generate revenue for the unions and the clubs sort of um, regional head-to-head so I think Edinburgh and Glasgow are looking at playing a couple of games as well ahead of that but um, that's where the Pro 14 is at the moment and do you want to talk a little bit about the rumours of four more teams joining the most exciting of which being a Madrid-based Argentinian franchise, which would, above all else, just be a fantastic away trip. <laughs> uh, Anyone? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that adding the South African teams... Um, has been that much of a success. I mean, I think to be fair, the Cheetahs were having an okay season and they've been competitive at least, but the Kings are an absolute joke. I, yeah. I don't think they've added anything to the league. But but then, in fairness, the teams that would maybe be added from South Africa are the more established sides. So, you know, Stormers, Bulls, Sharks, Lions. I, I feel like if you could sort of... I, I, don't, I don't know if it will happen, but if you could sort you of... Could um, sort of you know, combine the, the the best four teams, uh, and then enter them into the competition. Then potentially add, add something. Um, and yeah, the the idea of having a team in in Madrid is pretty cool, uh, and I think could potentially add a lot uh, because you've seen particularly in the last few years the the Haguares 
um, become a really competitive team in in Super Rugby, albeit that doesn't seem to have translated across to the national team, which is quite bizarre. Um, but but I think I, th- I think that could be the more interesting option. But it does seem as if you have like a team of a, a division of eighteen teams that you are just sort of continually diluting the the overall quality of the product. Yeah. And I suppose the interest for fans, I mean, that is quite, it's quite apparent in the, um, as the Super Rugby has expanded and expanded again, that the sort of the lack of regular sort of regional rivalries or big sort of games is quite, is quite tough on ticket sales and the marketing side of things and actually driving interest in the competition. So it would be, um, it would be, I, I wouldn't want to think that the Pro 14 is going to go down that sort of route just to sort of like drive more and more revenue and like who really is going to be interested in Connet versus the Southern Kings. I mean, they've already got that, but Connet versus a sort of scratch um, Argentinian side based in Spain or Edinburgh, Glasgow. It's a, it's a, it's a funny one in terms of from a fan's perspective, like there'll be curiosity the first couple of times round, but if those teams don't get up to speed or they're not good enough, it could, uh, it could go wrong quite quickly. I would have thought. Yeah, agreed. I think you're right in the sense that I think the cheetahs have probably brought some. I think they've brought something to the table, but I don't think in terms of you know within Europe, I don't think they've really you know no one's that's not helped to grow the game at all. And I, and I actually get the impression that in South Africa, there's relatively little interest in uh, in the sort of cheetahs and the kings playing in. The, um, the, uh, in the Pro 14. I think if you look at their attendance numbers, they're all really, really poor. Um, yeah. And then you said the Kings, the Kings just come in and, you know, ultimately have just kind of replaced Zebra as kind of the whipping boys, ultimately. Um, so, no, it, it, it doesn't feel like, unless South Africa committed, like, this is going to be our top, top league and the best players are going to play, then it just it, it doesn't feel like it's something that's worth doing because at the moment you know the cheetahs had a couple of players that kind of were standout last year and they ended up just getting signed by the other super rugby teams because <laughs> clearly pro 14 is seen as kind of a standard below playing for the super rugby team yeah um well again we will these are all rumors and things like that at the moment that lockdown is throwing up but we will certainly see um now uh how that progresses over the coming uh weeks and months and i guess just hope that rugby is back um on on our shores sooner rather than later um matt do you want to do your weird quiz yep let's do it do you want to introduce this and i think when I was first told this, I was like, this is going to be worse than Alan's um, SRU accounts quiz. So, you know, I'm excited about it. Quite possibly. I mean, it should be pretty short. Um, but <laughs> the game is get the Scottish club rugby ground by its Google provided postcode. <laughs> number one. How do we? How are we answering this? Um, each like each time you just after I've asked you the the postcode, just shout out. I guess. Okay. So the first one, E H fourteen, one X N. E H fourteen. Go with curry. What are you saying, Dave? Mm, it is EH fourteen. Uh, uh, why? Why on earth would I put Kristorfen in there? <laughs> it's not like a well-known rugby ground. They're all quite well-known rugby grounds. Okay, well, fine. Not Kristorfen then. It's actually, it's actually close to your. Uh, no, it's actually pretty close to your family home, Dave. I thought you might have got that one. It is Megatland. Oh, right. Well, yeah. then, I didn't. 
There's not. I mean, there's not much else to say about it. I, I can't really unpack the postcode. I don't think. But um, <laughs> next one is G thirteen one PL. Um, Huenden. Alan. Oh, well, we should say clubs. You can do the club with the ground name. No, oh, well, uh, sorry, Hillhead. Okay. GHA. I did think about putting Braid Home in there, but it is Old Annie's Land and Glasgow Hawks for that one. Oh, God. <laughs> it's too hard. <laughs> I mean, um, it's, yeah, it's just. Okay. Yeah, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Uh, third one, DD47HS. I think you should Dundee get it. Dundee High School. What were you going to say, Alan? I mean, it's obviously like Dundee, and it's ultimately like, <laughs> what? So you got Dundee, you've got like Morgan, and you've got Pam Muir. And I'm going to assume that you ain't, you're not doing What do you say? And Harry. Yeah. All right, Dundee High as well. Very good. There you go. One point each. <laughs> Mark. Um, should I maybe give you like a clue as to the ground? Okay. What, instead of, instead of the here postcode? No, I'll do both. TD13HE. <laughs> this is where... Doddy Weir would have first played his rugby. So not Melrose. Possibly not. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say Melrose then for that case. <laughs> okay, what have you got on? Yeah, I probably would have gone... I'm go- I'll go Melrose as well. No, no, do something else. Do something. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I will go Jed Forest. Uh, it's not. Uh, it is Neverdale. Gala. I thought. So, did, what, did Donny play for Gala first? Yeah. I might have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure. Oh, uh, really? Because his brothers play there. Interesting. Well, or, this is one know, all. Mildly interesting. Yeah, it's not that interesting. <laughs> um, and the last one. FK9 5AP. Let me know if you need a clue. Is, uh, is it the county? It is the county. It is Bridge Hall. Boom. What were you going to say? Nice. Definitely. Um, I don't know. I mean, FK, I was just thinking like Falkirk or something else. I didn't really know. Um, that's actually... Oh, wait. I've got one more. Go on, then. Uh, EH12, 5PJ. EH12... Yeah. Um. Do you want a clue? Yeah. Sponsored by BT. Oh, is that, is that Murrayfield. BT Murrayfield? That's BT Murrayfield. Sold out BT Murrayfield. Sold out, sold out BT Murrayfield. Or oh, probably not for a wee while now. That's all I've got. Uh, I, well, there you go. It was that good. I did it. I, I, it's good to know. I'm sure it'll help people sort of pre-program their sat-nav for when rugby gets going or something like that. It's good to know. <laughs> it's, good, you know it's, a, it's a public service rather than entertainment, I would say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of thing cool. Well. BBC4 at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> Um, any other business, lads? No. Um, good. If people want to enjoy some 
a lovely craft beer during this lockdown, then beer52.com forward slash thistle. I think we've had a few people writing in on Twitter saying they've been enjoying the boxes. I know we certainly have. So get on it and get yourself from some craft beer. Yeah. Right. 10 beers. 10 beers. All you're going to pay is postage and packaging, which I think is £4.95. So it's an absolute bargain. Um, I had the lager case or the the pale be- beers case last month. It was very good. Very good indeed. So yeah, get on that and keep following us on Twitter. We're closing in on 8,000 followers on Twitter. So keep getting us on there. Um, on Instagram, thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. And uh, drop us a note. You know, always happy to hear from you guys. Send us your, your thoughts and feelings into the mailbag, the rugby at gmail.com. Um, thank you very much, and we will speak to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.